Coates and Children's Library at Princeton University Library presents The Bibliophiles. Hi, this is Dr. Dana. My guest is Kat Yeh, author of The Truth About Twinkie Pie and The Way to Be. In The Truth About Twinkie Pie, we meet Gigi, a middle school student who, thanks to the efforts of her big sister, Dee Dee, has moved to a new town and is entering a fancy new prep school. Gigi and Dee Dee are orphans. However, as the story unfolds, we learn that nothing is quite what it seems, both in Gigi's family and in the lives of the friends she makes at school. Ye's most recent chapter book, The Way to Be, introduces us to Beatrix Lee. After a painful falling out with her best friends, Bee has decided to remain silent and invisible at school. But her mind and fingers can't be quiet as she composes poetry and hides it in a special place in the woods. When someone begins leaving messages in response, Bee begins to understand that friendship, like life, can be complicated. Ye has a tremendous talent for characters, emotion, and capturing the tender, awkward, difficult, and uplifting parts of discovering who you are. Her stories fold you in immediately, bringing you into a circle of friends, a fight between sisters, the rush of realizing someone likes you. There is such strength and authenticity to her prose. Ye's characters are meant to be discovered, shared, thought about, and loved. In addition to her chapter books, Ye has also written picture books, The Friendship, You're Lovable to Me, and The Magic Brush, a story of love, family, and Chinese characters. Ket Ye, welcome to The Bibliophiles. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'd like to start with your debut novel, The Truth About Twinkie Pie. Dee Dee and her sister originally hail from a trailer park in South Carolina. Their dynamic is unusual as Dee Dee has assumed the motherly role for her little sister. So I have two questions. How did these characters originate, and which one entered your mind first, Gigi or Dee Dee? Well, I love talking about how this story originated, because it really it started a long time ago, and it came from a very special moment in my life, which was when my little sister, who was uh, two years younger, got married. And I was her maid of honor, and she asked me to throw her a bridal shower. And she only had a few stipulations, and one of them was the food. And she said, you know what, I really want to have this kind of groovy, cheesy, 60s, 70s hostess kind of vibe going on with the whole thing. And so we were all excited about it. And I threw this party, and all the food was like jello molds, you know, all that kind of like <laughs> the aspic, and, and the jello with stuff floating in it, and like things on a stick. And afterwards, she said, Wow, this is this is such a cool party. Let's um let's you and me write a foodie movie that has a party like this and features food like this. And we had this whole plan and this was a good maybe 17 years ago to do this and it never happened. So fast forward several years and I still had this kind of foodie movie kind of feeling in my head and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a try and see what happens. And I knew none of the characters. I had no plot ideas. I knew nothing except I wanted a book that kind of ended with this kind of big, fabulous party with this kind of food. So I opened up my laptop to an empty page, and I thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll, I'll just start by writing a recipe. 
because I read cookbooks all the time and I'm always looking at recipes. And I was trying to think of something that would be fun and kind of funny and kitschy and silly. And for some reason, Twinkie Pie popped into my head. And we hadn't had it at my sister's party, but I'd heard of it before and I'd never eaten it before. But I certainly had had Twinkies like growing up in the 70s. And I thought, okay, I know there's a thing called Twinkie Pie. I'm just going to, I'm going to make up a recipe. And so just on the fly, I started typing this recipe. And for some reason, instead of typing it sort of in standard recipe form, I started narrating a voice making the recipe. And the voice just kind of went, so the first thing you do is you take your Twinkies and you cut them up. You soak them in maraschino cherry juice just until the creamy insides turn the perfect shade of pinky red, just like cherries in the snow lipstick, which was the only lipstick my mom ever wore. As a matter of fact, if she went into a drugstore and it wasn't there, she'd walk into the next one and the next one and the next. And for some reason, this recipe kind of went off on a little tangent. And when I was looking at it later, I thought, wow, I kind of like this little lipstick thing I threw in in the middle of that recipe. And little did I know that would sort of become the driving plot point of the entire story. And that voice ended up being Gigi's. Accents can be difficult to write, but I think you nailed the cadence of Gigi and Dee Dee's southern accents. Did you need to research those? Oh, you know what? I actually did. Part of it felt very natural, and I don't know if that is just from a lifetime of being an observer. You know, I'm, I'm, I was always sort of the quiet person that was in the corner watching everyone and listening, and I was always really a people watcher. And so I think maybe I had stores and stores, like sort of in the back cabinet of my brain of all these voices I'd ever heard. But absolutely, after I started drafting the story, I have um, both, both of my brothers and my father at one point had spent a lot of time in the South. So I used to visit my brothers when they lived in the South. And, um, of course, my dad had all these stories of when he first uh, immigrated to the U.S. and was living in the South. And I, one of our best friends from college lived there, and I called him up and I said, you know, I'm working on a novel and the characters are Southern and I'd really like to come visit and spend some time and do some research, not only into the voices, but also into um, sort of the, what trailer parks were like um, because there were so many different kinds and I really wanted to be open to not only the ones in the book which might be a little scary or downtrodden but also the beautiful ones and the homey ones and the food you know just kind of checking out the food and the people so there really was a lot that I researched going into this. Dee Dee is a hairdresser but she's also an informal chef. She actually wins a million dollars in a cooking competition before the book begins. So you talked about food. Um, every chapter of this book includes a recipe for something related to what's happening. Where mm -hmm. did you find the recipes? Well, that was an interesting mix of um, the Twinkie Pie recipe I made up. After I made up the initial recipe, which if you look at my rough draft, it's horrifying. Just the idea of soaking something in maraschino cherry <laughs> juice is terrifying. Um, but I, I made up a couple one of them, tangled up pie, it's like a, a pie you make out of leftover spaghetti was something that my son loved that I, that I made up one day that I, I know other people have done their version of it. I also looked at a lot of different cookbooks. I looked for recipes and I looked online. I looked for things that um, 
I could kind of adapt or twist in order to fit into my storyline. Because I did, as you mentioned, I did want each recipe to sort of say something about the emotion or the underlying plot point or story, the heart of what was going on in that particular chapter. And so I did a lot of kind of tweaking and mixing and matching recipes to get what I wanted. So did you try all of them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tried all of them. And I always um, I always say that taste testing the Twinkie Pie was the hardest part. Really? <laughs> because Twinkie Pie, oh, they are so, there is so much. I'm not a super sweet tooth kind of person. And there's the, the amount of sugar in Twinkie Pie is, is insane. But luckily at the time when I was drafting and taste testing it, my son, who was a teenager at the time, was living at home and he had all his big hulking teen friends over and they would test, help me test them out and, and go through the rep recipes with me. And they seemed to have no problem ingesting all that sugar. <laughs> Gigi eventually learns the truth about her family and about a few of her friends as well. Without giving away mm -hmm. too much, how difficult was it to make your character go through these sometimes traumatic realizations? Oh, you know, it, it actually, it's any writer out there will know what I say when I actually started a, a journal of sorts during the drafting of this in which I would say, uh, dear protagonist, you know, or dear Gigi, I am so sorry, <laughs> because there are so many things that she had to go through um, emotionally. She was just dragged from one place to the other. She had rough awakenings to certain things and um, very difficult first day of school and second day of school and, and friendship sort of things that she went through. And as much as I loved her and she was such a dear character to me and I wanted nothing more than to take care of her, I did used to write little letters just saying, dear protagonist, I am so sorry I'm putting you through this, but I promise it'll be okay. And this is just part of who you have to be. Because I guess if you think of anything in our lives that sort of makes us who we are, so many of those things are going to be the difficult times. And it's, it's sort of what we talk to our kids and, and I guess our students and our young readers about is when they go through hard times is that I promise it's eventually I know it's hard now, but it, it is going to get better, and it is going to become part of who you are, and you get to choose how to do that. Your most recent novel is The Way to Be. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to read the prologue to the book? Oh, sure. I'd love to. When I'm figuring out a haiku, I place my right hand on my chest like we do at school for the Pledge of Allegiance. The first line of haiku is always five syllables. And I like to count out each beat, starting with my pinky finger and working my way across. One, two, three, four, five. I know it's exactly right when my thumb gives that final thump five over my heart. There are only three lines in a haiku. The first has five beats. The second has seven beats. And the last has five. Five, seven, five. Haiku are nothing like the poems I used to write. Those were free verse, which is exactly what it sounds like. Poems that are loose and flowy and free. The kind you sing or shout or paint all over your bedroom walls. With free verse, you can pretty much do whatever you want. A haiku is different. 
one wrong choice, and you have to go back and start again. But it doesn't even matter how different they are, because all poems begin the same way. From something you feel inside, like being mesmerized by the sound of certain words, or feeling sad that you're alone at the turn of a path, or, or being afraid. A poem could begin one night when you're so lost and afraid that the last thing you're even thinking about is writing one. But the words will come anyway, whether you want them to or not. And you will find yourself with your hand on your chest, just like the Pledge of Allegiance, counting out the beats. I do not know the way. Until that extra thump, six on your heart tells you that you've made the wrong choice. Only this time, it's not just a haiku, it's real life, and there's no starting over. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bea is clearly a poet and writes both verse and haiku in her story. I'm interested to know if it was difficult to write the poems and what your relationship with poetry was like before you wrote this book. Oh, I have a long and loving relationship with poetry. When I was a little girl, being a poet was the first thing I ever wanted to do. I decided right then and there that I wanted to have poetry in my life no matter what. When I was around seven or eight years old, my mother bought me this little green book that I still have. And I, it was um, a journal, like a, a calendar book. And it had a date on each page. It was really tiny. And I, I swore this oath, this grand oath to myself that I was going to write a poem every day for the rest of my life. And I still have it. And some of the poems are really, really funny, like shampoo a kangaroo in the zoo or, or things like that. <laughs> but, um, and I got through much of the year um, writing poetry. And even though I didn't fill out every page of that, I kept journals most of my life. And, and a lot of my entries are, are in poet in verse form, a lot of free verse. Um, it was natural for me to, um, to have a character, to write a character who was a poet felt very, very natural. And for somebody to express the ways that they wanted to see the world by the different ways that they could write poems. And there's also um, a poem in Twinkie Pie, which, was, which I was very excited at the very end. Um, Gigi writes a poem, and I was really happy to sort of have it sneak into, into that novel as well. In the story, Bee befriends a character named Will. Please tell us a little bit about him. Will is a character that I love so very dearly. I, I wanted to experience, as you, as you go through the book, and, and if you read the, the author notes, you see that um, Will, if you had to put a label on him, which is something that I was really wanted to avoid, for, especially for the way that Bee sees the world, um, he, he is someone with Asperger's. But because I wanted B to just, in her very true and innocent and poetic way, just experience him the way he was without labeling him, um, she got to meet him simply as a potential new person in her life and someone who was different, but then she was feeling very different at the time too. And so she was just sort of um, working with the differences that he had and accepting them and kind of going along with it. I loved him. I loved kind of try, doing my best to see through his eyes. And, and I loved writing the interactions that he had with B and their developing friendship. Many of your characters carry some complicated emotions. How generally do you develop the characters in your novels? 
Well, I think that if I, I, I feel that everybody is complicated. I, I can't think of anyone that I've ever met in, in the real world who is who does not have complexities, whether or not they're revealed to you right away. And I always knew writing that I would try my hardest to make sure that nobody was one note. Um, if, for example, B's um, former best friend, S, I, I knew that I didn't want to write just a mean girl. And um, for Briggs, the editor of the of the broadside who, who she befriends, I, I knew he wasn't going to be just like a, a loopy, goofy guy who had a crush on her. I, I don't know. I guess I, I try to think of every single person as, as having something. There's going to be a little something. They're not just going to be, and I guess I'm, I, I always, I'm always interested in things not being exactly what you think they are. Cause that's kind of how life is. The thing that I like about The Way to Be is that instead of one major plot line and resolution, there are several. There's um, B and Will's fairly illegal trip to a labyrinth on a wealthy man's <laughs> estate and B's discovery of who's been secretly responding to her poems and letters. There's B's new relationships at school and her disconnection with her mom and dad. Was it difficult to weave these threads together? Yes, it's it's always difficult. I think that, and thank you for saying that you like that because it's something that I worry about. Um, I, because I, I tend to get a lot of ideas, I have to remind myself that not just, just because I have a new idea doesn't mean I have to write it in. And I think there were probably several other plot points I could have added to that. I, I mean, to be very technical about it, by the time I had done several drafts, I really had to break it down and look at each subplot on its own and find each place through the novel that it happened, print out a separate document where I just sort of outlined the plot and how it was developing, look at it on its own timeline to make sure it was going at a pace that made sense and that Anything that needed, if there was a twist, it was covered in some place and the seeds were planted. If there was um, sort of an arc in the story that something was building up to it, it it's, not, it's not easy, but I have to say it was so much fun. It was really, really fun, and I, and I, and I did love that part of working those out, especially when I felt like it was coming together. It got very exciting. What are you working on now? I'm working on a lot of things now. I'm working on a new picture book, which is what I was working on right before I talked to you. Um, I'm working on another novel that, and I have a couple backup novels I'm also working on, but um, this next middle grade I'm working on, I'm really excited about. I'm very afraid of it, which is the way that I like to start my projects, being sort of afraid because it means that it means a lot to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be so scared of it. So I'm very kind of feeling all emotional and excited about it. And um, my family, we just moved to Philadelphia and I grew up in Pennsylvania. And so it's, it's been this whole adventure being back in Pennsylvania. And this new novel that I actually started before we moved takes place in Pennsylvania. And so the whole thing just feels really just like it just all fits together like a puzzle. Kat Yeh, thank you so much for coming on The Bibliophiles today. Oh, Dana, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.